My, my, what do we have here? Spying on me, I see. You must be some kind of pervert or something. I've heard that humans can be curious, but I never expected this kind of behavior. You seem lost somehow. Perhaps you're who I've been searching for for so long. <laughs> I have an idea, but I do want you to know something first. I hope you don't mind my language because I may say some questionable things. Do you mind being spoiled once in a while? Because I don't mind it one bit. Just know to give me sweet things and you'll do just fine. Most importantly, I will tell you what's on my mind whether you want to hear it or not. Don't be afraid. I'll make sure no harm comes to you. Now that you know what to expect, I have one more question for you. Will you be my darling? What do you say? Hello and welcome to Dumb Talk, where a group of children come together to pilot giant sex bumps and talk about dubs, both old and recent. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm already dead. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> okay, so I'm Jet, and tonight is a very special episode of Dumb Talk, because you see, after years of being caught in licensing limbo thanks to Gynax, we're finally here to talk about the dub for the uh, Wait, wait, wait. This, this is... Whoa, oh, wait, 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 wait a second. Uh, it, it, okay, are you sure it your notes appear, are accurate? I was correct. Okay, it, okay, my sources have just informed me that I'm actually here to talk about something called Darling in the Franks. Uh, well, anyway, joining me for my escapades on I Can't Believe It's Not Ava. <laughs> I'm detecting a running theme already. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what it is. <laughs> we have Steph. What's up? I'm, 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 um... I'm, I have my inner Futoshi guy right now, because I basically rushed home from work, and I'm currently eating my dinner. <laughs> Don't mind me. Hardy. Yo. That's all. And, and of course, Andrew. I've been doing this podcast for so long, and tonight, all of my sex jokes are for critical, analytical purposes. <laughs> God bless Japan. <laughs> wait, wait. This isn't panty and stocking. What are you talking about? Oh, you'll see, Stephanie. You'll see. Oh, oh, oh will I? Will are, I? Are we going to have another Redux of the Shimonetta episode? Oh, God. Us? It's not going to be not? that bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> I hope not. I wasn't even there, and I haven't even heard the episode. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to know what happened. Let's, let's put it like this. If Shimonetta is basically opening a dirty magazine in school, Darling mm-hmm. and the Franks is much more like art house auteur-like dirty filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Really? Really? Really. Okay, uh, uh, so uh, before we dig too deep into the sex jokes, I swear that my books play with this show in the past. Are you sure we shouldn't be balls deep? God damn it! Uh, Can you sense a right. running theme, ladies and gentlemen? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Director, the shit is already going nuts. And we're not even five minutes in. I apologize. Okay, so, in the distant future, the land is ruined and humanity establishes the mobile port city plantation. Pilots produced inside plantation live inside Mistleton, also known as the Birdcage. 
Children live there knowing nothing of the outside world or the freedom of the sky. Their lives consist of battling to carry out missions, and their enemies are giant life forms known as the Quapsosaurs. And the children pilot giant robots called Franks to face off against them. For the children, riding the Franks proves their existence. A boy named Hero was called Code 016 and was once known as a prosody. However, he has fallen behind and his existence seems unnecessary. And not piloting a Franks is the same as ceasing to exist. However, one day a mysterious girl known as Zero Two appears before him with two horns growing out of her head and asks Hero to, if he wants to become her darling and be granted the chance to pilot once again. So What's a darling? Uh, it's been... <laughs> Uh, no, no. Apparently, the kids don't know that either. Yeah, I know. That's why I asked. <laughs> what is hand holding? What is ki- kissing? <laughs> Here's the thing: there are a lot of there are a lot of terms in the show that the show kind of just uses, oh so casually when it's not quite explained. Like a pilot yeah. is a parasite. Uh, docking is called kissing, but kissing yep. is also called kissing. And, um, and then do it. Uh, Apparently all... there's something about becoming an adult. Cause that was, that was brought up in episode five and we don't know mm-hmm. what the fuck that is. Or what we entails. also, yeah, the pilots are also split up by a pistol and stamen. Yep. <laughs> so, that is also true. Let, let, let me just say there are, this show is a couple of different things in my mind. Subtle. It is not. No. <laughs> no. It's not. <laughs> I'm sorry, it really isn't. <laughs> Alright, uh, okay, so I guess we will kick things off here with our ADI director and scriptwriter. And since tonight is an impressions episode, we do have predictions, so who wants to go first? I already volunteered to go last, because there's reasons. Alright. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um... I had three different predictions for ADR director. Uh, my first prediction was a sort of... This one, I was kind of like, you know what? I could see this person doing literally any kind of show. And I've seen some pictures. I think they may be a fan of Mecca. So on a whim, I picked a man named Clifford Chapin. And as for secondary picks, I had Jeremy Inman because of his work on stuff like Heavy Object. And Aaron Dismuke, because I think he's done some action stuff before, maybe. Non-Baka. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, did you have anything, Hardy? Uh, yes, I also picked Clifford Chapin, because this, this sort of thing seemed right up his alley, and he really wasn't working on anything else that I could see him uh, doing this particular season. Okay, um, as for me, uh, because this is technically an Aniplex show in Japan, and Aniplex of America was promoting it for a long while, I wasn't sure where this was actually going to be done, so I made two cast lists. One for Texas, and one in the event of Texas. Because Jed is smart and comes prepared, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Better than half of us do. (laughs) Okay, so in the event of a Funimation dub... For ADR script, I said Josh Grail, and for director, I said Vic Mediana, because I really like the death of Judy Tyson, and I figured, hey, he should get the opportunity to do something else, so why not? Huh. Okay, okay and then in case of Bang Doom Break Plus, I said Alex Von David, because kill a kill. 
Right. Fair. Right. Makes sense. I guess they'll use me. Yep. So I'll start with my writer picks. Uh, both of these writers I, the, that I predicted for this show, uh, I felt like they would, the material would be suitable for their writing skills. And since both of them are general, from what I can tell, anime fans and also rather ner- bit nerdy, they can have some fun with it. Uh, one of my writer picks was Matt Ship- Shipman. And I also had Josh Greeley as my other writer pick. Um, in terms of director... I don't have a prediction. I got fucking spoiled. Because <laughs> here's what happened. So, after being in a month of dubby editing hell, uh, the day that this was announced, I decided to start marathoning stuff in Japanese so I can make predictions so I wouldn't be spoiled. Darling in the Franks was one of the last ones that I was going to do this for. But then, announcements came <laughs> with spinning, <laughs> rolling chairs. <laughs> God damn it! And, um, <coughs> I got tagged in some tweets about it, and they were like, hey, look at this! I'm like, son of bitch! <laughs> but, at the same time, looking at it, because uh, if I had been following the Winter stuff, and wasn't stuck in W editing hell, considering this was the last thing announced, it's kind of obvious, <laughs> for one. <coughs> and... For, for two, it's like this person hadn't been announced yet, so it's, it, 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 I mean, the material itself, it's like, okay, let's face it, this is the perfect director for this show. <laughs> um, to which, by the way, you snarky little jagoff. Who's uh, behind the swivel uh, chair, Jed? Yes, please. Who's behind the swivel chair? Jed, who's in the swivel chair before I. Oh, hello. I'm Anime's Clifford Chapin. Welcome to Studio I at Funimation. It is, in fact, Clifford Chapin mm-hmm. as our director. Yes, everyone, I know that our... Clifford Chapin is directing the show, including Chip- Clifford Chapin. I know you're directing this fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and our script writers here are Alex Munez and Joe Bergen. Okay, uh, Clifford Chapin has directed such series as New Game, Divine Gate, Gosick and My Hero Academia Season 2. Alex Ruiz has done scripts for series such as Psychopath, Shibadetta, and Toriko. While Joe Bergen has done scripts for Judy Tyson, Ping Pong the Animation, and Speed Grabber. So, thoughts? So, yeah. As soon as I saw this was going to be Cliff doing this, I'm like, yeah, sounds about right. Because... It, it, here's the thing. With some directors, we're, we're a little more, like, doubtful of their work or we are less familiar with. I've kind of come to this realization, like, this isn't even biased because, like, we are, have acquainted ourselves with Mr. Chapin. Anytime I see his name attached to a show, I'm kind of just like, that's probably going to be interesting. It's probably going to sound pretty damn good. And you know what? That's kind of... It, the fact that that's my standard now kind of says a lot. And the same applies for Darling in the Frick. As for the writing, uh, writing is... Okay, I will say the show adaption writing to English is good. The series writing is... Um, Questionable. It is... 
how many times can you physically say you're just like me without doing visual symbolism already? Which is frustrating because this show's really good at doing like visual storytelling and framing, yet the script itself is just so very like unsubtle and in your face. It's like, you're my darling, I can't be without my darling, or you're the same as me, or she must feel like how I feel, or I'm trapped in a cage. It's like, redundancy is redundant. That being said, the adaptation from uh, Japanese to English is pretty dang good. A lot of the performances give their all, and I think it's pretty good. Uh, another note, I want to add a quick thing. I actually kind of like how exhausted they sound after uh, linking and or struggling to link. I know there's the obvious, like, that is sexual sweating and whatnot, but I like how they add that they are exhausted and tired from the act of doing it, and it impacts them and their performance. And I liked hearing that. And yeah, uh, that's my piece. Good job, Cliff. Uh, Hardy? Uh, yeah, I have to agree. I think the acting was really done, well done, just in general. Um, I didn't really notice all the... I, I did notice the complete unsubtlety that Andrew brought out uh, in the script. Like, <laughs> it's about as subtle as a lead brick. Um <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. But uh but yeah, that's not really the the adaptive writer's fault because the series is so you know wonky at times. For, for um, sure. Yeah, it, it flows really well. All the everything is well acted, everything is sounds reasonable. So yeah, I don't really have any complaints. Okay, I guess I'll go next. Alright, so I've been following a lot of Clifford Chapin's work ever since he got started with The Five Gate. And while I haven't seen every dub he's directed, he's generally proven to be a solid director. And I'm glad he finally got to take the reins of, like, a big project all by himself. Yep. Um, so I like a lot of the casting choices here. It's a good mix between Dallas and Houston actors. And pretty much all the performances really work. I uh, don't have quite as much to say about the script since, like you guys said, it doesn't really take any notable liberties one way or the other. Uh, but for a show as um, obtuse as this one, it's uh, probably for the best the writers didn't try going out of their way to interpret anything, so uh, glad they made that call. <laughs> Does that leave me? Mm-hmm. Yep. So first of all, I apologize for being yelly for like five seconds. Uh, <laughs> no, you're not. Um, I... <sighs> I'm sorry. Cliff, I love you. You're snarky as shit sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, I feel like I have to start what I my thoughts on directing running with disclosing this. Mecha and sci-fi is probably my least favorite genre. Hmm. And here's another thing I should probably disclose, and people are going to yell at me for later. I haven't seen Evangelion. Well, I haven't either. I also haven't either. Wow, we are all a group of people who have not seen <laughs> Ethan Kelly. Whoops! It's, I'm the only one. <laughs> this is why the use. This is why you're the. That's host. why Thank you're God. the one That's... in the Gendo chair. <laughs> no, it's. I, I've never seen Ava, and I also refuse to go anywhere near it with a ten foot pole. Uh, you can you can yell at me later. Um, it's called a lance, Steph. Get with the terminology. Shut the fuck up. No, but I have seen, um... For me, science fiction, and especially mecha series, they're very hard for me to get into. Because a lot of it, for me, is the same standard fare. 
same thing over and over again. And Ava is also one of those weird controversial things where it's like you either absolutely love it or absolutely hate it. And I refuse to jump into that per into that fight. <laughs> That's why I don't want to watch it. Um, but I have seen its quote-unquote bastard cousin Rosaphon, and I love the ever-loving shit out of it. Um, so, just getting that part of the way. But, I mean, there, there's a reason, a strong reason why... I gave Clifford one of my directing awards in the W's this past year. He, from what I can gather, and it definitely comes in a lot here, is he has a very, a really amazing sense of what he wants for the characters and the performances of this show. And he also understands the subtleties and the not-so-subtle subtleties and context, uh, and he's able to make them quote-unquote stay subtle. Um, because if I remember right, he has publicly stated that he has seen and he loves Evangelion. So, obviously, this is a bit of, this is probably a really big passion project for him and a pet project for him. Um, he, he knows what he wants to do and emulate it. Uh, da 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 da, what else did I write? He has, he, and he also pays a lot of attention to detail. That's always a theme that I always pick up when it comes to, Cliff's directing work, he pays attention to the small stuff. So that way, if it's supposed to stay subtle, it stays subtle. If it's something that really has to have an impact, it'll have an impact. And that attention to detail is very present here in a show that's not that subtle. <laughs> Sorry, it's not. Um, I also like the fact, similar to what Jet was bringing up, he has both Dallas and Houston actors, which is pretty awesome, but in terms of the main cast of kids, it a lot of it is younger or maybe underutilized actors for the most part, which is very interesting and intriguing to me. Uh, and da 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 da. Sorry, I'm trying to remember what my notes had. In terms of the writing itself, the writing does still make the subtle context a bit more clear compared to the Japanese, because. I know we were joking around earlier and talking about the whole kissing of the plantations thing. I actually didn't quite get that in the Japanese. Maybe I don't remember if I was not paying attention or something else was going on. But it was a lot more clear when I was watching in the dub. Um, so even though the context and the subtleties aren't that subtle, uh, the Alex and Joel, which first of all, Jet, I love the fact they each brought up Something that's fairly similar, aka Shimanetta and Speedcraftery in their repertoires here. Mm. Um, oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He did. Mm. Um, it's. I think these writers, the Alex and Joel, they're they're good fits. They 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 get the material that they're working with, and they know. Basically, everyone on the staff is knows what this show is, and they're. They're not going to overdo it. They're not going to underplay it. Mm. They are going to play it exactly as it is intended. Which I think in this situation, with this kind of show, that's the best possible move that they could make. Mm -hmm. But I do want to give credit for the writing for making some of the subtleties at least a bit more clear than what I saw in the Japanese. But staffing-wise, I'm, I'm sold. Cool. Like... It's, it's standard fare at this point, 
when I ha when I have to when I say the words, I'm perfectly fine with Clifford Chapin as a director. He has not disappointed me at all. <laughs> so like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's not much more to say. <laughs> Real talk, I'm all yeah. for like future cast announcements being done in such a overdramatized fashion <laughs> as the chair. What no, he needs to do, the he needs chair to needs to be there all the no, time. Okay, no, okay, no. I, I, I really ain't mad he didn't just like, go over the camera. No, wait, Hardy, what were you going to say? <laughs> That's too no, obvious. What he, needs, he needs a fluffy white cat to sit in his lap while he strokes it menacingly. Oh, Talk just to get God, borrow one of her cats. Yes. Or cubby, yes. And then zoom in Dr. Evil style. <laughs> no, but clearly the clearly, clearly the best part of this entire show is the swivel chair during the <laughs> cast announcement. You have to I, have that chair all the time now. I'm sorry. You I don't know. think that's the okay, best and... part of the show, but I think that definitely was like, you know what? I'm on board with this cast. And you know what? Spoiler alert. I'm on board with this cast. <laughs> spoilers. Not so spoiler <laughs> uh, spoilers. I, as, I guess I'd say as good as anyone that I do dive into our cast. Indeed. Oh my. Um, <laughs> God damn it. We're not ready to ram into the we're not ready to ram into each other yet. Son we're of a going bitch. to we're going to talk about the people that tell you to practice safe robot driving. <laughs> <laughs> this is not uh, consensual. I did not consent to this. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first up, we have Nana, Hachi, and Dr. Franks. Uh, Nana and Hachi serve as supervisors for the kids, while Dr. Franks is, well, he's the guy who makes Franks. Uh, and he's also so... a pervert, clearly. <laughs> really? I yeah. never would have guessed. No! <laughs> right, Clutch so the pearls, what one... a sneaky thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, did anyone have predictions for these people? I'm just thinking yes. about it. how presumptuous is it? Mm -hmm. He named the robots after himself. Like he's he is not a modest man by any means. <laughs> that's, uh, okay, okay, okay. You're, that's you're going that sort of thing all the time. You're you're digging too deep into this right now. It, you're thinking too hard about this. I don't think stop. I'm digging deep enough to be honest. No, you're not. Yes, you. You stop it. <laughs> okay. Stop it. I'm just gonna yeah. talk uh, about uh, my predictions. Is that okay? Sure. Before Andrew does something stupid. <laughs> So I actually only had predictions for Dr. Franks and Nana. I didn't have anyone for Hachi because when I watched the Japanese, Hachi wasn't a character that really stood out to me. Uh, so for Nana, I... Nana kind of reminded me a lot of, which is weird to say, I don't remember her name, but Andrew's going to have to help me out here. Daikonrapa 3. Uh, there's a... Bunch of fucking characters. Oh, are you talking about Colleen's character? I am talking about Colleen's character. Okay, so you you thought Colleen's character? I thought Colleen's character. I had Colleen Clingy Bear as my prediction for Nana, uh, and Doctor Frank's. I hope it's not weird of me to say that the characters for some reason reminded me of Makara from Fairy Tale. No, that's not weird. <laughs> I had our Bruce Elliott because of that. I also had our Bruce Elliott kind of thinking the same thing, actually. <laughs> and this is why we're twins. <laughs> this is why we're twins. Not biological, but... Mm -hmm. uh, same way. Uh, any other predictions, Andrew? Uh, let's see. As for Dr. Frank, my other prediction was Greg Dulce. I don't know if if it's Dulce or... Greg Dolce? Dolce. Greg Dolce is who I had for 
Frank. That's a good choice. I was I was thinking very much similar to how he sounds in One Piece and or Ancient mm-hmm. Magus Bride. As for Nana, I was thinking in terms of somebody who was an authoritative, older-sounding figure, but still definitely sounded like feminine and strong when it needed to. So I thought Kristen McGuire and Jamie Markey. As okay. for Hachi, I genuinely forgot he, he was there, and four to five episodes in, I kind of still do. Uh, okay, it's interesting you said Jamie Marge Madonna because that's also who I predicted. Huzzah! Uh, yep, I also... Okay, and any bit of bag zoom. Uh, okay, so basically how I made my casting list was I casted it before the show came out, so I basically looked at character designs and, like, say roles and try and guess these. Okay. Uh, okay, so some of these are probably going to sound a little weird later on. Okay, um, so anyway, for... My Bangtoon prediction for Nana was Amanda Miller. Okay. Uh, for Hachi, I said David Wald if Texas and Ray Chase if Bangtoon. And for Dr. Franks, I said Steve Kramer if Bangtoon. And then uh, Kent Williams if Texas because he hasn't gotten to play a kooky old guy in a while. So. Nice. Okay, uh, Hardy? Yes. Um, I, too, also had Colleen Clickenbeard for uh, Nana, whoop, whoop. and I also threw in Caitlin Glass at the last okay. second, just in case. I can see yep. it. And I can see it, too. Dr. Franks, I really wanted to hear Kenny Green's perverted voice. Ooh. Ooh. Now, that would have been something I'd love to see, too. I, yeah, yeah. Because I haven't seen Desert Punk still. And you've told me the glorious story about Rain Spider so many times. Oh, yes. I gotta check if that's on my backlog list or not. I think it might not be. I should fix that. But yeah, no, Dr. Frank seems like a kind of dirty old man, so I kind of wanted to hear him, Kitty Green, do his old man voice and kind of perv it up a little bit. Too bad we've only seen Dr. Frank's in just the first episode, though. Right. That's kind of depressing. Uh, 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 He shows up a little bit later. Okay. Okay, good. (laughs) He goes, come back. Good. Yeah, I'm no longer caught up on the sub anymore. I'm basically like caught up to where the dub is now. Same. Did you have any other predictions, though, Hardy? Uh, no, I did not make a prediction for Hachi because he's literal exposition boy. Like, <laughs> he honestly put is. pretty much anyone there. Okay. Like, push a button, I will tell you the current events. <laughs> Today's temperature <laughs> is t- t- uh, 58 degrees, slightly sunny. No, 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 no. Harsh- hold on. Hold on. I got to pull this shit. Okay, Google. What is the weather? Currently in Quincy, it's 42 and partly cloudy. Tonight, it's predicted to be 42 and mostly cloudy. And uh, while we wait for that to uh, go to... Uh, I'm, sorry, I <laughs> I'm sorry, okay, I had to. I'm sorry, I had to. Push your button. Okay, so anyway, playing Nana, we have Michelle Rojas. For Hachi, we have Eric Vale. And for Dr. Franks, we have Kent Williams. Um, so Michelle Rojas is no story to the Funimation does at this point, and you may have also heard her as Mio in Keijo, Akaru in The Rolling Girls, and Wendy in Show by Rock. Eric Vale has, of course, been around basically forever, and some of his other roles include Major Kimberly in Bo Burns The Fullmetal Alchemist, Future Trunks in the Dragon Ball franchise, and Saikyo in Yu Yu Hakusho. Cat uh, Williams has also been around forever, and you may have also heard him as... The Supreme Kai in the Dragon Ball franchise, Akisame and Kenichi the Mightiest Disciple, 
and Captain Kuro in One Piece. Man, I forgot he was uh, the Supreme Kai. It's really not a voice I usually hear him do anymore. That's why it's surprising. Uh, okay, so I'll go quickly because it's as simple as Ken Williams is really good as Dr. Franks. He's an old authoritative guy who's got a really weird name and really weird robots, and he's also a bit of a pervy McPerverson for some reason. Uh, Hachi, uh, Eric Vale is Eric Vale, and Eric Vale is Eric Vale and good at Eric Vale. Um, I really don't have anything to say about fucking Hachi. I'm sorry. He's nothing. Um, as for Nana, uh, Michelle Rojas. I like Michelle Rojas. Uh, she does a pretty good job being the sort of, like, stern, authoritative figure who spends the entire show telling everybody no. And before we move on, I gotta say... The adults and the people running this mecha battle shit are the most incompetent motherfuckers I've ever seen. <laughs> they are literally pre- <laughs> they are literally preventing anything from happening for like three episodes. It's like, hey, it's literally the exact opposite problem of Ava. It's literally get in the robot, Shinji. It's like, wait, don't get in the robot. Why? Hero, don't go in the robot. Hero, don't get in the robot. Get out of the robot. Hero, get the fuck out of there. Why are you in the robot? (laughs) Why are you in the robot? Get the fuck out. Stop trying to fuck that pink girl. We gotta let these (laughs) children die. (laughs) They are the most incompetent people. It's like, why are you not sending them out? Oh, because daddy tells us no. It's like, there's already enough sexual metaphor, but... Also, Daddy. Side note: Can I throw an extra side note in there? What up, Chris Sabat is Papa? Oh yeah, he, Chris Sabat's really good side at note. being uh, Papa. Coo- that was something I didn't expect. Pop, uh, Papa KKK. Oh my God! Did you seriously go there? I yes, I went there. Like that look, was bad. Look, we're going for hardcore like. I, th- I think what they're trying to go for is, like, the adults are essentially, wow. like, depriving and forcing children to be in this position for themselves. Like, I think it's a metaphor for, like, reproduction or yada yada or forcing Gee, the younger you generation. Think? All I can say is this this society right now is confusing and dumb and I don't get it and these characters are weird. But the people performing them do a good job. I'll pass it on to you, Hardy. Oh, yes. Um, I have to agree that Nana and Hachi really don't make much of an uh, impression because Hachi is literal explan- uh, Oh, I can't speak anymore. Um, he's exposition dump? Exposition dump, yes. And uh, he's just sort of there. Eric Vale is Eric Vale in Eric Vale the, the, the movie. <laughs> the yes. movie slash anime. Starring Eric Vale, yes. I'd watch it. And, yeah. I went to actually. Yeah, Nana's and uh, uh, Michelle Rojas is Nana is really good as that sort of motherly big sister role, you know, always looking out for you, even though, you know, you gotta be strict with them, but you gotta have some level of maternal instinct. So, mm-hmm. and Kent Williams as Doctor Franks is an old perv, so that's fun. Okay, uh, Steph. Uh. Well, it's probably good to get the easy one out of the way, because like everybody is saying, Eric Vale is Eric Vale is Eric Vale playing Eric Vale voicing Eric Vale. <laughs> um, I mean, I like, like him. A as guest a, I, appearance by Eric Vale. <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> directed, <laughs> directed and written by Eric Vale. Um, no. Um, basically, like everyone else has been saying, Eric, Eric, Eric Vale. I like Eric Vale as Hachi, but the problem becomes that Hachi is just there, and he's 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 unfortunately serving as the necessary exposition dump, which is a shame. <laughs> And, because, again, when I was saying earlier when I was making predictions, I didn't even make one for Hachi because that character was so forgettable. And Eric Vale doesn't make Hachi forgettable, thank God, but Hachi doesn't also do that much. So let's... It's, it's been... It's, it's a double-edged sword there for him to be playing the exposition dump that's kind of in the background, which is a shame because he's a... We all know Eric Vale's a phenomenal actor. It's just the character is the problem. Um... Ken Williams is Dr. Franks. I mean, I, I love it when he occasionally gets to go full on crazy. I mean, I'm gonna throw this out there because the episode will be up by this point. Him is peeping me. <laughs> Pop Team Epic. Oh boy. Sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> when I saw him and when I heard him and Mariandel, I was fucking done. I died. It was great. Um, no, so, like, him being able to play these fun out-of-the-box characters is always a great time, rather than compared to, like, the stoic classic characters we're used to him playing. It's it's good, and it's nice to have him expand his repertoire a little bit. I, I'm just more disappointed at, as of right now in the dub. We haven't seen Dr. Franks for more than one episode. But I really, really want to talk about Nana, because, um... Like Hardy was saying, Nana is, she is an authoritative figure, but she's also, like, the motherly, sisterly caretaker, I guess is the best way to put it. She's in charge of all these kids. These hormonal teenage children who don't know what is what. <laughs> when clearly, subtlety is subtlety. Uh, <laughs> but um, Michelle Harajas, as this, uh, this authoritative yet... At least, from what I can tell, she's very... She cares about these kids. She really does. Like, she doesn't just see them as tools for these fights against the Klaxosaurus. Which is good, because we need... Because with the adults, we need to have someone like that. Or else the kids are just fucking screwed. Uh, in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> I ha Even I had to do it, unfortunately. Um... This is how low I've sunk today, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, huh. but I, I really like Michelle Rojas' portrayal of Nana as of right now because she has she has the authoritative voice and authoritative voice and presence to her uh, when she's telling these kids, "Y'all need to listen to me." Hero, you're not going in the damn robot. <laughs> Stop it. But she also cares about these kids, and she's talking to them and making sure um, they take care of themselves and are f like fed properly. They go to sleep. They are they, that they're taken care of. And I appreciate Michelle being that mother motherly caretaker kind of role. It's it's different because I haven't really seen Michelle pull off a motherly caretaker kind of role yet, at least as far as I can recall. So it's sure definitely what. Shonen Maid. Who the hell is she in Shonen Maid? I'm blanking now. She was the mom in Shonen Maid. I'm dying again, shit. Would... Oh, 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 fuck. Obvious mom? Yeah. 
This is how long it's been <laughs> since I've seen Shonen made. It's been I a minute. I apologize. It's been a hot yeah. minute. I apologize. But, um, let me rephrase that then. It's been a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been a while. And it's always refreshing because I feel like she, she does really well with the motherly kind of figure for these kids. Um, but yeah. I don't have much else to say. I think out of the trio, I like Michelle the most. But Eric Vale's still a talented voice actor. I'm just... The sh- show, I'm disappointed with this character. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, so as for me, I don't have too much to say about Michelle Rojas here since there isn't too much for her character yet. Uh, but I do think her, her performance has been good so far and I can't really think of anything negative to say. Um, as for Eric Vale, I, th- I think that putting him here was an interesting little cast of choice. It's, um, the story commander type isn't really the sort of thing you kind of associate with Eric Vale, so it's kind of nice you can play a completely serious character for a change, even if that character is kind of in the background. That's fair. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, it was also pretty nice to see Ken Williams here as Dr. Frank, since, like I was saying before, he doesn't get to do kooky old guys that mm-hmm. often, so... Uh, it was another good change of pace, and while with Nada, neither of these guys really had too much to do yet. Uh, the performances have worked well enough that I'm looking forward to when they do actually get to do something. Okay, so, okay, but that's enough about the adults, it's time to talk about the kids. The real reason why we're here, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, um, so we're going to get into our first pair of parasites, the chlorophenum the team. God, I'm gonna pronounce these names so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> okay, um, so we have Code One Nine Six Ikudo and Code Three Two Six Mitsuru. Um, Ikudo is very calm and insightful, whereas Mitsuru is also sort of quiet but harbors an inferiority complex towards Hiro. So predictions. All right. So as for my predictions, uh, scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, Ikudo. Uh, for Ikudo. Oh wait, okay. I had I I had Jamie Marky, Marchi, uh, Mar- I forgot how to pronounce her name. I had Jamie for this role as well as Afia Yu, and for Mitsuru I had Joel McDonald and Josh Greeley. Okay. Okay. Uh, Steph. I love how you said Afia Yu for Ikuno because Afia was one of my predictions for Ikuno. Mm-hmm. We're on a roll again. Um, and then I also actually said Terry Doty, because Ikano is pretty quiet. She's She seems like a very smart girl. She's very intelligent. Com- compared to all the other girls in this cast, though, she's the most quiet of the group. So I figured both Afia and Terry would pull that off wonderfully. Mitsudu! Forgive me, Cliff. You are my, one of my predictions here. Uh... <laughs> I'm not sorry. Um, cause Mitsudu, I mean, he seems like a stuck up snob. Kind of, I, kind of. Kind why is of pre- a stuck up snob. No, no, no. No, for some reason the word pretentious is coming to mind. He's not pretentious. Stop it. Don't go that road. No, he's a stuck up snob. Like Jet was saying, and it describes him perfectly. He has an inferiority complex. So, I was like. Have I ever heard Cliff as a stuck-up snob before? I don't think so. He's going here. And then, in the same vein, I'm like, who else could possibly fit this character? Who else could work well? I actually put Rico Fajardo in here as well. Okay. Okay, could have seen that. Hardy? 
Um, Mitsuru is probably the only character I did not make a prediction for because he left so little impact on me. Really? Uh, yeah. And for Ikuno, I put Genie Torado here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's see. As for me, um, okay, my Texas prediction for Ikuno was Tia Ballard. My Bangzoom prediction was Lower Post. Hmm. Uh, for Mitsuru, my Texas prediction was David Mills. And my Bangzoom prediction was, uh, God, I'm probably going to bounce this again, uh, Koi Dao. No, I think you got it right. Actually, I think it's just Koido. Okay, cool. See, I didn't. Okay. See, I didn't want to go the route of Damon. I'm like, that's too obvious. Let me think outside the box a little bit on that. <laughs> Let's face it, Damon can pull off anything. You're not wrong. He could have played Doctor Franks even. He yeah, could have played Doctor Franks. That's what's scary. Yep. Okay. So anyway, playing Ikudo, we have Leia Clark. And in a surprise twist for Mitsuru, we have Bryson Vegas in his first Funimation. Holy shit! Yeah. Okay, uh... (laughs) So, uh, Leia Clark is another Funimation regular, and some of her other work includes Arya in Arya the Scarlet Ammo, Milfa in Beat the Vandal Buster, and, of course, Mavis Vermogan in Fairy Tale. Uh, Bryson Vegas, on the other hand, is known for his role in Girls and Sentai Dubs. Uh, some of his other work includes Choyo Hirata and Haiku, Bell in Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, and Megan's favorite character, Darling Coon and Monster Hunter. <laughs> uh, Jack? <laughs> oh. I'll, be darned, I'll be darned if I follow my exact name. That's <laughs> fair. It's Darling Coon. Like, there's no exception. That is his name. <laughs> now, Jet. Now, Jet. Now, Jet. You know I love you, but Uh-oh. I haven't been able to do this in a while, and I really oh, like no! this opportunity. Let me put on my fedora. Oh, fuck what you do now. You done it now, son. Well, actually... It's Bryce and Boggus. It's Boggus, yes. Okay. It's Bryce and Boggus. Okay, okay, that, that, okay that, that's totally fine. Like, I actually had no idea how it And now we know. Okay. Do, 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 do. Okay, okay, so since you had that little wild first, Hardy, would you want to go first? Oh, sure, I would. Um, they both fit into their perspective... Um, archetypes very well. Ikano is very quiet and reserved, and uh, Leah has shown us in the past that she's really uh, good at doing those types of characters. Uh, sort of like, sort of like a much more reserved uh, Miss Kobayashi, almost. And uh, and Bryson is really well as the stuck-up little snot, who um, who. Uh, he, he wants to be the hero, but he just can't, and he he wants to be the center of attention, and he's jealous of this one guy who everyone thinks is crap, and he just, he wants to be, he's the the quiet mm-hmm. uh, Jagoff in the show. We'll get to the loud one in later on. Yeah, I gotta say, I love the fact that we have two different kinds of snarky Jagoffs in the show. All right. Right. But they both fit into their archetypes very well and offer uh, solid performances. I would say they do. They fit into a cockpit very well too. Though these two seem to have trouble when it comes to personal, intimate docking. And here's Damn the it, thing. Andrew. Here's the thing. Uh, Ikudo seems to have trouble with it, and instead of being supportive, 
Mitsuru is a little deadbeat motherfucker and decides, you know what? You don't work with me. I'm gonna go with this hotter piece of ass instead. Yo, this is great. <laughs> I like doing it with you <laughs> instead. And then she takes him for a ride and then he gets bent out of shape like that. Yeah, so, uh, so, uh, yeah uh, it also doesn't help that, um, like, I'm not sure if the children would actually do anything with this, but uh, it, it's kind of like subtly implied Igno might be gay. What? Maybe, okay, <laughs> well, shit. I haven't seen, but if they go that route, huh. okay, if they do something with that, I will be interested. Anyways, uh, hmm. I, I had to go on that little outburst. Okay, uh, as I think, I think Leah Clark as Igno does a really good job. She's quiet and reserved, but she manages to come off as like, she gets frustrated and a little like hurt when it comes to, but also being supportive alongside everybody else. Now, Mitsuru, Mitsuru, this kid looks like a posh shithead, to quote Little Karibo. This kid looks like a posh shithead with his hair slicked back and his tight boy shorts. Like, man, he's so, like, thinks he's so cool, but he looks like such a loser. And guess what? He is a posh shithead. I'll say this. I'm not as acquainted with Bryson Bogus, but he's got a lot of range and versatility on display for Mitsuru. Uh, more than likely, this character is compensating, but this performance is not. The freakout and bragging about his powers and showing his full ability when he's riding with Zero Two is pretty impressive. And the genuine shock in fear when he's like dealing with the recovery and trauma that is dealing with a predatorial woman, which was really interesting. I think Bryson Bogus, for his first Funimation role, is a this is a pretty interesting one, and I think he does a great job. I just think this character's like posh little shithead. <laughs> You're not wrong. Okay, Steph. Um, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, I, I'm gonna start with uh, Ikeno too. Um, Leah from for most of the show because uh, from what I've seen so far, many of these characters, all of these characters actually. They kind of play to different kinds of tropes, and also how they're paired off plays to different kinds of tropes too, which is really interesting to me. Um, in the case of Ikuno, she is very quiet, she's kind of in the background, she's much more reserved, and Leah plays that rather well. Um, she may be quiet, but she's she's very aware of her weaknesses, because it's fully stated that Ikuno has always had a hard time with the docking and the connecting process um, in piloting the Franks, that she's always kind of fluctuated very frequently. Um, hence, when Mitsuru decides, fuck all y'all, I'm gonna ride with this bitch uh, <laughs> instead. But it seems like not only vulnerability and weaknesses in Ikuno, but there may be a. There, there seems to be an obvious lack of confidence in there, which. If it is, if it is true that she's actually into girls, it now makes sense <laughs> when you say that, but we'll find out. Um, as for Mitsuru, before I talk about the character character itself, Bryson, you madman. <laughs> Holy crap. Because um, he tweeted several weeks ago, like, his ridiculous schedule that he had for, like, a period of time. Because he's still in school. Bryson's still in school, he was working on this show, he's working on a show for Sentai, he works 
at a box office on his campus. It's holy mother god child. <laughs> like, I didn't even do that much in college. Like, props to you, sir, for making this work. Oh my god. But, um, in terms of Mitsuru, <laughs> is it funny that I was slightly reminded of Aino Kusabi on this one? <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry, because Kyrie is a little shit! <laughs> he fucking is! <laughs> Mitsuru is a little shit, though more, even more of a stuck-up, snobby little shit compared to his character in Ainu Kasabi. But, um, it's, it also, like, it's, it's a lot of fun for this, because, um, with this, because, um, clearly Mitsuru, aside from his inferiority complex, he's very jealous of those double digits, specifically Hero. <laughs> Specifically Hero, because he's he's always been deemed as the prodigy among the kids. But, um... If I may, mm -hmm. it, I, I make this comparison just because I'm reminded of the fact that the character designs are the same character designer as Anohana. Mm -hmm. This is very... Mitsuru is this show's Yukiyatsu. He is. Oh boy, he is. <laughs> but, as this stuck-up snobby little shit who, as of now, has kind of been taught his place by Zero Two. Thank you very much. Um, he's kind of... He's kind of broken in a sense, too, right now. Because, um... In episode 5, because I was just... Because I was watching it. Thank God I got to watch it. Because <laughs> I was worried I wouldn't get to. Um, he's hiding in the garden. <laughs> like, taking medication and he's like... Like, tw like flinching and like twitching or and like oh my god he's have about to have like a mental breakdown or something. It's clearly what happened with him and Zero Two. He's broken now because of it. Like he can't handle it. So I'm very curious to know what's gonna happen to Mitsuru because of that now. But Bryson as a snarky, snobby little shit. Love it. I'm sold. Okay, um, so I gotta say that both these casting choices are pretty interesting. Uh, personally, I've only ever really heard Leah Clark as, like, cutesy characters like Mavis, so for me, hearing her play the choir girl was, like, a pretty nice twist, and I really like what I've heard of it so far. Uh, Bryson, I guess, being in this show is an even bigger shocker to me because of we already established this is his first funny role. And, uh, Mitsuru is an interesting character to start off with. Uh, since at first he seemed like he'd kind of be the choir type too, but then, as we saw, uh, he's pretty envious of Hero's talent, and when he shows his true colors when piloting with Zero Two, uh, it's pretty clear that he's got a lot of pride. Uh, so Bryson does a great job of handling both the quiet side of the character and the more prideful nature underneath. Um, though I guess I'll be honest and say I wanted to sound maybe just like a little bit cockier during his big scene with Zero Two, like... Not full-on punchable, but maybe just, like, a little bit swarmier. Uh, but other than that, I was pretty happy with this, and both performances seemed pretty spot-on. I think my favorite thing I saw, I can't find it anymore, was somebody found the image of him, like, beaten and bloody in a cockpit, and somebody put, like, a, a headline over that image where it's like, Eight crazy sex moves to blow his mind and his penis. <laughs> God damn it! Kind of what happens. 
Yeah, it's pretty fitting. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is. Yeah, uh, so I guess now is a good time to move on to our next I, I The cinnamon I, rolls! The cinnamon rolls! We, we need to change tempo from aggressive to you didn't do good, so I moved to the other one, to something a little more supportive and willing to tell them you're doing okay when it comes to intimacy. Okay, so our next pair is the Genesisa team, and uh, these are code 556 Kokoro and code 214 Futoshi. Uh, Kokoro is a meek and kind girl, whereas Futoshi just kind of eats a lot. Like, that was literally the character description. Dang it, Japan. Damn it, Japan! Why? Why you do this? But let's face it, these two are basically the cinnamon roll characters of the show. <laughs> Okay, uh, so predictions. All right, predictions. Uh, let me pull up my thing. Do, 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 do. Okay, for Futoshi, I had uh, gruffer voices, but who have also done cinnamon rolls in the past. Uh, Jared Green and Chris Guerrero. As regards for Kokoro, uh, she has a very distinct sounding voice in Japanese, the lovely Saori Hayami, and I figured something a little more far, like foreign and soft sounding. So I was going for Natalie Hoover and Michaela Krantz. Okay, uh, party? Yes. Um, one thing I always notice about Futoshi is he's always putting stuff like bread in his mouth. Please don't tell me. I think I know and where so he's I going. So I cast Austin Tyndall as Futoshi. Oh, God damn it. And for, and for Kokoro, <laughs> I, uh, I kind of went into the old standard archetypes and uh, for her character. And uh, I cast Tia Ballard. Okay. <sighs> okay. Uh, what about you, Snap? Damn it, Hardy. Are we ever going to get over the bread and mouth joke? No. Damn it. Oh, Jesus. So, I actually went the similar vein with Futoshi as, as uh, Andrew did, with a slightly gruffer sounding, but still can play cinnamon rolls. I also had Jared Green as one, but I also have Alejandro Saab as the other one. Um, as for Kokoro, I went with cute, innocent- uh, Kokoro's a sweet cinnamon roll, too good and pure for this world, let's fucking face it. So I went with voices that were also cinnamon rolls, too good and pure for this world. So I had Bryn April as one, and I actually had Jeannie Tirado as the other. Okay. Okay. Alright, um, as for me, um, okay, my Kokoro pick for Texas was Alexis Tipton. Okay. Uh, for Bang Zoom, it was Erica Harlinger. And for Futoshi, I said if Texas, it would be Chris Patton. And uh, for Bangsoom, I said Keiji Tang because I was so coming down about Ohio. Ooh, Keiji Tang would have been good, yeah. Ooh, that would have been a good choice. Okay, so anyway, here for Kokoro, we have GD Toronto. Whoop, whoop. And for Futoshi, we have Blake Shepard. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker! <laughs> another Houston actor! <laughs> Okay, uh, so some of J.D. Toronto's roles include Zira in Fairy Tale Zero, uh, Koyuki in Fuka, and Yume in Grimdar. Uh, Blake Shepard is more of a Zentai regular, but some of his other work includes Akito and Akito in Air Gear, 
Iki and Amnesia and Otanashi and Angel Beats. You had to bring up Iki from Amnesia, really? It was on the docket. <laughs> oh god. I blame like I blame DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Good person to blame, because she is the one who subjected us to that. Well, technically I volunteer, so I can't say that. <laughs> uh, I think this is probably uh, the quickest I'm going to actually go, because I these characters are precious, but they are currently the most just there of the group. Kokoro mm -hmm. is pretty and sweet, and she sounds sweet and cute and precious, and I think Jeannie's really good at her. She's just sort of there right now. Maybe she'll have more later. Maybe it'll be something terrible. I don't know. The show could go. Well, I mean, way. considering she, considering she is the one who um, found Mitsuru uh, downing some pills. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We kind of mentioned Mitsuru's kind of dropping some pills, so something will be up with that. Wondering if oh, yeah. anything's going on with there. Uh, as for Futoshi, precious cinnamon roll. He sounds pretty good. I kind of hope this character becomes more than the fat guy. I really mm. do. That being said, I actually really like the character dynamic between these two. I like that they're like the more like, they're kind of not great at doing this yet, but they're much more like supportive and sweet of each other. And she feeds him food. I, I like how the little shithead Zorbe gets jealous of that. I'd be jealous that of that cute. too. That was cute. That being said, uh, I hope these characters have more. And regards to... Uh, the fact that Blake Shepard is Futoshi. I'm really glad I could see a little more cross-pollination between Funimation and Sentai Talent Pools. This is never gonna end. Shut up. You know, Piston, Stamen, Flower Sex. Yes, uh, uh, okay, well, I fucking quit. Hey. I fucking quit. I'm done. I'm sorry, Are I can't they? do it. <laughs> okay, uh, while well, these two are recovering. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's really not much to say. I mean, they are sort of just background characters as of now, but uh, when they do have lines, they are very cute and sweet and adorable. And, uh, and yeah, I, I agree. I hope that they get to do more in as the series goes on. I, okay. I'm hoping that he has his, his moment of badass in where, you know, the fat guy actually gets to do something cool. That really, would be awesome. Yeah. Unrelated, I also really like their mech design in particular. Hopefully they do more. It's really interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, like you guys were saying, these two have kind of been in the background so far, so I don't have too much to say. GD uh, Toronto is very good at making Kokoro sound cute. And uh, like the latest episode episode of Japanese did kind of imply she'll be given something to do, so I guess I'm looking forward to that. Good. And uh, Blake Shepard is good at making Futoshi sound like a cinnamon roll who's bound to have something horrible happen to him because, duh. Uh, so I guess I'll have more to say when these two actually have something to do, but until then, they're perfectly fine. <laughs> that me. Okay. Me. Yep. Woohoo! Uh, the... <laughs> I think the theme for this pair is cinnamon roll too good and pure for this world. Uh, which is exactly what these two characters are. Cinnamon rolls too good and pure for this world. And they voice them as too good and pure for this world. Um, Blake Shepard is probably the interesting one between the two. Because not only has he been popping up a little bit more in some Funimation stuff recently. It's in places we wouldn't expect. Because um, we did record this earlier this, earlier this week. Hardy. The fact that Blake Shepard plays a goddamn nerd in Takagi-san. 
Yeah, he's popping up in some very interesting places, and, and Futoshi is one of them, because I don't ever recall, as far as my knowledge goes, uh, Blake Shepard ever voicing a chubbier character before. Uh, wasn't he in Food Wars, though? That was Clint Bickham. Oh, right, right. Sorry. I got it confused. No, believe me. I, I almost did a double take for a second. I'm like, wait. No, Blake Shepard is the lead in Food Wars. He's uh, uh he's so he's he's Soma. Um okay. but yeah, it's very interesting where Blake has been popping up recently in these Funimation dubs. Uh and I really enjoy it. He's it, he doesn't play it's similar it's funny with Gene Toretto being a part of this pair. He doesn't make it sound like the stereotypical fat guy. I do appreciate that, yes. I appreciate that a lot. Because um, I know us ladies, we had that conversation when we were talking about Genie as uh, Sunny Numa and Kiss Him Not Me uh, a couple of years back now. And how, and in this case, Blake, he doesn't sound like the typical, like the stereotypical fat guy who he could easily, easily be like the, the jolly, like, ooh, that kind of thing. Not sounding like a whale. And I really appreciate that choice so much. It's really good because, again, not all fat or chubby people sound like whales. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Um, and thank you for not going that route, because I would probably have to punch someone because of that. Um, so I appreciate that a lot with Blake. And Jeannie is too good for this world. <laughs> She's so precious. And I will be very mad if something bad happens to her. Because she... I don't know if you guys saw it. Remember, there was a tweet that she retweeted. And she started freaking out. Oh, because, because she's got the, the mom of death raid. Yeah. There was an image that someone had put together with a bunch of other anime characters who have, like, the side pony that end up dead. So that's, like, Trisha Elric. Uh, Aaron's mom Aaron's from Attack mom. on Titan, uh, Jean Tan's mom from Anohana, um, I think, um, the, uh, the, the, the mom ghoul from Tokyo Ghoul, um, Hinami's mom, that's what I'm thinking of. It's, <laughs> uh, and she's freaking out like, no, my precious Kokoro. <laughs> I'm like, you, if you kill her off, I'm gonna go nuts. Look, there's, she's there's Kokoro done Brokoro. Uh, no! <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to finally do that. Thank you, Hardy. <laughs> Son of a bitch. My pleasure. Look, there's like no, a 50-50 yeah. okay. toss-up of these kids get their happy ending or these kids suffer horribly. Take your bets. Tell us in the comments. God damn it. No, <laughs> but but yeah, bottom line is Jeannie's a precious cinnamon roll and Blake is a goddamn lovable teddy bear. <laughs> and right now, they, they right now there's not much to them, but I think there's going to be more. I really hope okay. there is. Just don't, just don't kill off Genie, please. That's all I ask. Also, make Futoshi have really, a, be a badass and don't be just fat. They're either going to have their moment of awesome or they're going to die horribly. Possibly both. If they get their go moment out of in a awesome of... before dying horribly, like... About to say, if they go out in a blaze of glory, then that's fine. I will but be still... satisfied with that alternative, yes. But, but, I, I just don't go with the stereotype. Don't kill the girl with the side pony, please. <laughs> Let's break the trend. At least take Stop me it, Japan. with you. <laughs> Son of a okay. bitch. All right. Uh, so I guess we're good to move on to the oh, next group. Oh boy, this one's fun. 
Speaking of little it's shits. A, it's a, okay, okay, so next up we have the Argento pair. Uh, piloting the... Okay, so piloting the Argento, we have code 390 Miku, and because this show has no subtlety whatsoever... <laughs> <laughs> no! Jet rated to us. <laughs> okay, we have code 660. Six, 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 six. <laughs> the number of hottie. Oh, goddammit! Uh, sorry. Okay, um, so these two are like the kitty kids of the group, and Zorobe in particular is the one with the biggest ego. Um, so, predictions for these two. Side note, can I just say, it would have been hilarious if Zorome was actually 6'9". <laughs> that, that would have been great. Nice. That would have been his username. Uh, pred- oh. Predictions, predictions. Uh, I'm just surprised, honestly, we don't have one pairing that their codes are 069 and 420. God, I'm waiting for that. I... I, I I've no trigger, and this is oh yeah we haven't we've got the, an hour into this and we haven't mentioned that this is a trigger a one P- pictures co-production which is Surprise. a pretty interesting feat in and of itself, uh, and we'll get more to that for final thoughts. As for my predictions for Zorame and Miku, uh, Miku I went this is somebody that was going to be high pitched and girly girly girl so I had uh, Sarah Wiedenheft or Bryn April. And Zorame is a young boy who still sounds a little like his balls hasn't dropped yet, but I was going for something a little more tomboyish, like feminine feminine girl, say you. So I went with Morgan Berry and Ryan Reynolds. Not that Ryan Reynolds. The other Ryan Reynolds. The other Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. We have to make this distinction. Yeah. Gotta make I, it no, I, not I, Deadpool. I'm with you, uh, Andrew. I also had Morgan Berry and... Um, or a weed and half is my picks. Cool. Um, okay, I also had Sarah Weed and Half for one of my Miku picks. Um, it's a, uh, my Bang Zoom pick because it's a starky girl with pigtails. I said Sarah Ann Williams because, of course. Um, okay, and then for Zora Bay, uh, in the event of Bang Zoom, I said Griffin Burns, and in the event of Texas, because it's a cocky little boy, who else but Greg Ayers. Okay. Alright, uh, I guess the theme of the night is Sarah Wiedenhef, because I also had Sarah Wiedenhef, uh, as, uh, Miku. Um, Zorome, I went weird with mine compared to some others. I didn't think it was gonna be the female voicing male situation. Um, I just, I actually just went with voice actors who could play snarky little jagoffs, because Zorome is a fucking snarky little shit. Uh, like we were saying, there's two snarky shits. He's the other one. He's just more of the loudmouth. Um, so I went with voice actors who could be loudmouth, snarky little shits, and I went with Aaron Dismuke and Alejandro Saab for this. Okay. Okay, um, so actually playing these characters, okay, uh, for Miku, we have Red April, and for Zorbe, it is in fact Ryan Reynolds. Okay, um, so Brain April is a pretty familiar name in Funimation dubs. You may have heard her as Ritsu in Assassination Classroom, Kaede in The Boy and the Beast, and my personal favorite, Hiori in Origami. As for Ryan Reynolds, you may have heard her as 
Chiori and Data Live, uh, Cleo and Alex and Zoroku, and Lolo and Jade Chronicle. I'm gonna go last for this pair, and you'll see why. Okay, that's fair. Um, Alrighty. I get... Yes. Take it away. Uh, they are snotty little brats, and I kind of hate them. Uh, yeah, I but, mean, that sums them up. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that having been said, the two actresses here basically played them exactly how they needed to be played. Um, because we, we have heard Bryn April play, she is a, the sort of snot-nosed little um, floozy type. Not saying anything bad about Bryn, to be perfectly honest, but... But yeah, she does that really well. And we already know that Ryan Reynolds has done the cocky little uh, punk uh, in other shows as well. So yeah, they uh, they both did really well. And they, uh, they, they made me really... They did a good job of making me hate these characters, basically. <laughs> Which, that's a high compliment, actually. Fair. Um, I don't have as much bad to say about these two. Um, like, I'm not as familiar with Ryan Reynolds as the rest of you guys are, but I really like her so far. Uh, for me, she does a really good job of making Zorba sound really obnoxious without being, like, super unlikable, because, like, the thing about Zorba to me is, like, yes, he's, like, really cocky and arrogant, but he's, like, cocky and arrogant in a way where he, where it's more like he's a little kid and, like, he's just, like, a generally awful person. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, so that's why that kind of works for me. And uh, Brain April, of course, I'm a little more familiar with, and she's generally been great at playing Peppy Girl with Attitude, and that seems to be Miku so far, so she sounds really good here. Yeah, but the thing I really like about these two performances is how the two sound when they're playing off of each mm. other, uh, because I really kind of like the dynamic where, like, yeah, they're both kind of childish, but at the same time, you can kind of tell, and you can kind of tell, like, they fight a lot, but they also, like, really care about each other when the chips are down, and I thought that was pretty nice. Right. Neat. Um, so Miku is very energetic, very girly. She, if anybody has the most, if anybody were to have the most energy out of the entire cast, it's Miku and Zorame. Like bottom line, hands down, because uh, that's the trope we're going for—the childish, naive little kids, essentially. Uh, Bryn plays that little, that little ball of energy named Miku very, very well. Uh, I don't hate it as much as I hate Zordome as a character, but we'll get to that in a sec. Um, but Bryn, Bryn is really good at playing the balls of little balls of energy, the little spunky characters, and it's <laughs> no surprise here that she's a lot of fun. Ryan Reynolds, Ryan is a little shit, mm. a little snarky shit, <laughs> and I, I absolutely love it. Um, because. If we're making the comparison between Zorome and Mitsuru, uh, Mitsuru, like we were saying before, he is the stuck-up snob who's a, who's also a little shit. Zorome is the loudmouth, snarky little shit. And Ryan is... <laughs> Ryan just seems to be having a lot of fun with it. Because <laughs> um, Zorome also has is the male equivalent to... The Energizer Bunny. <laughs> he just keeps going and going and going. Honestly, he seems to, he seems to blow his load pretty quickly. Actually, when you think about it, you're not <laughs> wrong. But um, 
he 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 talks he talks big talk. He has a lot more bark compared to his bite, I think. Um, and Ryan does very well uh, with this character. I think it's it's very it's it's one of the few times where I get to see Ryan as a snarky little boy, and I just love every second of it. But yeah, these two are the biggest loudmouths of the cast, so I love it. Alright, uh, before I go into their performances, uh, this pair in particular, as far as uh, my relationship counseling as I've been doing for the night, these two are like a elementary middle school relationship where they're kind of bratty, still immature, they kind of seem like they don't get along very well, but they actually are do very much care for each other's well-beings, and they, they do want each other to like be safe and sound that's why i actually really like how he was concerned about her in episode three i thought that was yeah. really nice and sweet uh, like you know what i actually like this pair together better than some of the other ones first things first Bryn as miku uh she is adorable and i love the way Bryn makes this character come to life particularly due to their chaotic teasing bratty attitude and nature but also they're very like kind of cute pout poutiness and also the very like fun uh weird noises when it comes to uh doing mech stuff which i thought she he does a great job at bringing this character to life she's great now let's talk about zorame i had to sit on what this character is and i think i know exactly what zorame's character is let me enlighten uh -oh. you if I had to describe this character to you, I'd say that Zorame is the 12-year-old Xbox Live kid bragging about how he fucked my mom last night and is talking about how he gets all of the sex and how he has the two-foot-long dick, but is, in reality, in reality, he is this oh awkward, fidgety, short little toddler boy who's terrible at romance and kisses like a golden retriever. <laughs> wow, that is a long description, but it is probably the most accurate description I've heard about this character. Holy crap. I think that's why I like this character, because it's like, Mitsuru seems vindicative. Like, he'll toss people aside, he's trying to prove he's the best, and he'll use other people to prove he's the best. Zorame is just an angry little shit trying to prove that he's a big man and that he is the best at the sex and the thing oh, i'm sorry he's the best at giant robots <laughs> but no he's great uh ryan i knew would be really good from this from uh hearing her as etoile in arslan and i think this proves that she was a really great choice like literally this character's bragging about how they're the first to finish it's like no nobody who actually does that is like yeah i came first it's like that's not something to be proud of kid <laughs> yeah it's kind of interesting you bring that up because like watching the latest episode of the dub like it kind of became a little bit more clear to me like out of all the kids, he's the one who seems like the most obsessed with wanting to become an adult. Yeah, like, it's very interesting. It's very interesting because um, the we younger were you are, about this the younger you are, the sooner you want to grow up, and vice well, versa. Well, here's a well, here's a couple interesting parts about it though. Is um, one, the scene where the kids are watching the whole kissing of the plantations. He's like, I don't remember how this works, and they're all like, Are you fucking serious? Um, but. Probably more important is um, the their interactions with the squad from the other plantation, and he's asking these uh, these kids, um, "Have any of you? Has anyone in your squad ever become an adult?" 
That's interesting to me because we don't know what the context uh, is of becoming an adult, So, but let's face it, it's probably obvious. Um, we don't know that, and the fact that he seems so starry-eyed about it and has this childlike innocence is very interesting to me, actually. But yeah, no, I think Ryan Reynolds really does a great job of getting all these angry emotions and like bratty attitudes for this character, but also sounding really sincere and actually worried for his partner's well-being. Like when, and it, like I said, they are basically a bunch of like bratty kids where it seems like they wouldn't get along, but I'd say they probably have one of the better pairings or dynamics to me, even if they do kind of drive each other crazy. I, I like them together. Okay, and on that note, it's time to uh, head a little bit closer to the home stretch with our oh next. Oh boy, this is gonna Yay. be an this is gonna be an interesting discussion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, so our next pair is the Delphinium team, uh, code zero five six Goro and code fifteen Ichigo. Um, Ichigo is the leader of the team and has had a close relationship with heroes since childhood, while Goro is her partner and hero's best friend. So, predictions for these Man, two. the second you look at Ichigo, you know she has zero fucking chance. Oh, yeah. You're not wrong. Poor sweetie, she had no chance. As for Sweet, predictions... sweetie. As for predictions, for Goro, I was thinking, uh, Ian Sinclair or Rico Fajardo. In regards to huh. Ichigo, I was thinking... Any, I, this one was the only one I had three because all three seemed likely in my mind. Brittany Karbowski, Jade Saxton, and Lucy Christian. Hmm. Oh, um, it's interesting you bring up Ian Sinclair because that is also who I predicted for Goro. Um, Goro or Garo? Uh, Goro. Goro, Goro. I'm, for some reason, I'm hearing Garo and I'm about to scream Garo at the top of my lungs. <laughs> okay, um, Garo! Okay, let's see. Uh, He'd be so much cooler <laughs> if he was Garo. Okay, uh, uh, for some reason I thought Goro was going to have, like, a really deep voice, so my Bangu prediction was Patrick Sides. Um, okay. Let's huh. see, and then for Ichigo, um, for Bangu, I said Erica Lindbeck, and for Texas, I said Bruna Palencia, because she hasn't been in a cyborg in a while. And because blue hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blue hair characters. Uh, I had two for each. Probably completely off the wall compared to everybody else so far. Um, for Ichigo, I actually went with Megan Shipman and Jeannie Tirado. Um I thought they could play the the leader role, the leader who's also vulnerable rather well. Because let's, let's fucking face it, she has a crush on Hero, but it ain't happening, folks. It's not happening. Fanmate taught us anything. Not happening. Goro is really interesting, because this is where I actually put Damon Mills, but I also put Brandon McGinnis as well. Yeah, I can see both. I I kept it real easy for Goro. I chose Josh Greeley. And for Ichigo, I picked Alex Moore using her Mitsuba voice. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, interesting. All right, uh, so let's see. Uh, so who we actually have here for Goro... Goro. Got him. Got him. Got him. Okay. Okay. So for Goro, we have Austin Tyndall, and for Ichigo, we have Brittany Lana. 
Uh, Austin Tittle's anime resume is pretty long, but some of his work includes Karma and Assassination Classroom, Kaneki in Tokyo Ghoul, and Angelo in 91 Days. Uh, Brittany Waters isn't quite as long, but you may have also heard of Red Leviathan in Seven Mortal Sins, uh, Rita in Rio Rainbow Gate, and Nene in My Girlfriend is a Gal. Um, so I kind of want to go first with this one, since uh, there's a point I kind of want to bring up. Go ahead. Part. Okay. Okay, um, so, uh, going into Austin Tinder real quick, he wasn't the first person who I had in mind for Gore, obviously, but he seems to be a good fit so far. Um, I used, I'm used to Austin Tindall's roles being a little bit more theatrical or stoic, so seeing him play a more laid-back character is kind of nice, and he does the whole, like, supportive friend thing really well. It's, um, it's a little bit more, like, subtle than I'm used to him for him, but it's really nice. Um, of course, Brittany Lada is the one we're really here to talk about, because Ichigo's character is very interesting. Uh, usually the childhood friend is more of a supportive role, so having her be the one in charge here is, uh, it definitely helps to add a lot more to her dynamic with heroes, since she kind of has a trouble with doing what's best for the team versus her own personal feelings. Mm -hmm. And then adding into that, it kind of seems like the kids don't exactly understand the concept of love, so I'm not even sure if she actually recognizes what her exact feelings towards him are, and I kind of hope the show does something interesting with that. Uh, but for now, though, Brittany Lana has done a great job of playing both the stern leader and the jealous childhood friend without sniffing a beat. And I can't really think of anything bad to say about either performance, so just keep on doing what you're doing, you two. Good job. Neat. Alright, uh, Hardy, you want to go first? Alright. Um, yeah, I think both of them do it really well. Both of these characters in general, they almost go through a they do go through a lot of emotional turmoil because you can tell all the various love triangles being formed and Ichigo is 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 fawning over Hiro and it's unrequited meanwhile Goro is her actual partner and yet she feels very little towards him and that therefore it affects his um, emotions and I think both actors are really able to bring that out really well and especially in the, it's the most recent dubbed episode where mm. both of them had their sort of emotional breaking points over different things. Um, and yeah, I, I think I have nothing bad to say about it. I think it's really good. Uh, I, I am interested in hearing more of Brittany Lotta's range because I don't think she's played a character similar to Ichigo that I know of in recent memory. Uh, and most of her other characters just are all over the all over the gamut. So, all right, so yeah, yeah. All right, well said. Do you want to make the Do you want to make the joke, Andrew? Okay, so before I go into Goro, I had a, a running joke, long time running joke on Dub Talk, is that we make a different nickname for what kind of karma Austin Tim Endel plays. So oh, I have boy. named uh, Goro here uh, Prep School Karma. That is what I named him. Huh. Mm -hmm. So Hardy. I... Yes. Would you like to tell the audience what you called him? Oh God, no! What did you do? Ladies and gentlemen, we have cuckold Karma now. <laughs> and here I was just going to say question. <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> You're fired. Get out. Oh, God. Uh, I will not okay. apologize for art. You should never apologize, and I love you for that. 
Both oh, are applicable God. to this character, but I'll go into why. Goro! Goro is a very good boy. Honestly, he is probably, like, one of, like, the more supportive, like, characters that likes everybody. He does so much to look out for Ichigo and Hiro, even though, like, they're besties and or he may have feelings towards Ichigo as well, but that's a whole thing that's implied, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he's, like, he's... I really think that Austin Tyndall does a very good job with this character. He emotes a lot more when he's kind of freaking out at his friend sort of dying at the fact that, wow, my best friend may or may not have just gotten an STD. So that's a thing that he's coming to terms with, and he's trying to pretend that you it's okay. You went there. <laughs> Let's be honest. The show kind of went there already. No, but... I, I think Tyndall does a really good job at making Goro sound this very authoritative, caring, big brother, best friend figure. And the dynamic he has going on with Ichigo is very much a bestie, friend with benefits kind of relationship is how I see it. They are each other's shoulders to cry on, though the dynamic of that may be tested at how much their feelings sort of come to terms and boil and distract. Now, the real thing I want to talk about is Brittany Lauda as Ichigo. First things first, she's super cute when she's playing with the little kitty cat. He's so cute, so cute. It's I will say, though, this is a much more uh, different performance than I was expecting. Because I, I listened to this in Japanese. I think the Japanese is a much more quiet presentation of this character. While I think uh, Brittany is also quiet... She plays up in her tone of voice much more of, like, the jealousy or the, like, frustration in her voice more audibly. It still works very well for what this character is supposed to be, and this is exactly kind of what I associate with Ichigo now. I Like, her design's really interesting, and I really do feel bad for this character. I just hope the entire show isn't just going to be her being jealous. Like, I thought... That's what I liked about episode two is I kind of like we it seemed like we got that out of the way the idea that they literally kiss each other and they say I feel nothing it's like I feel nothing when I'm with you it's such a ooh powerful moment and god the delivery of when she's crying and huffing and she just says you're awful I'm like oh I really liked her delivery when she said you were awful it just really stuck out with me it's like, it's, it is all at once powerful, jealous, frustrated, like, um, like frustrated in terms of emotional and sexual attraction. And the action that, the action screams Britney does, I was not sure, I, I'm not very familiar with Britney. I have not watched a lot of Media Blaster stuff. This gives me a lot of hope for hearing her in future stuff because I'm very surprised and impressed with Britney Lauda as Ichigo. You go, go girl. Here's your si silver medal. I'm sorry. You don't have a chance. You don't have a chance. <laughs> um, guess that leaves me. So, I feel like the best way for me to talk about Austin and Britney's performances is actually as a pair. Because Ichigo and Goro and then Hiro and Zero Two, they're probably the most interesting pairs out of the entire cast that I've seen so far. Um, in the case of Ichigo and Goro, they're a fun pair because... Where Brittany shines as this new leader, because she's technically this new leader for this squad of kids. Um, she had she's a new leader with internal conflicts about her position, 
While Austin, on the other hand, here is Goro. He's more of a calming, grounded figure. So these are two roles that for both Brittany and Austin that are different to see. Because it's very rare for me, on, in Austin's case, for him to see a much more calming and grounding presence or grounded character. And he's basically that person for Ichigo. And Brittany Lauda, I haven't seen her that much in as, a, as an actress in voiceover roles. So this is not only a f surprise, but I really like it. Because she's playing because Ichigo is a very complex character in and of herself because she's she's a new leader for this team so she's very inexperienced she has a crush on her childhood friend she's very jealous and she just doesn't know what to do with her feelings or what to do or how her relationship with Hiro is should be or how her relationship is affecting Goro because she doesn't realize that and clearly Goro is has some amount of feelings for Ichigo because in episode 5 when he's trying to comfort and talk to her and tell her everything's okay he just kind of holds back and he's like wait what is this feeling I'm feeling right now I don't understand and that kind of bring their relationship is very interesting because it brings home a lot of the things that these kids don't know about quite yet that these little kids don't know about relationships and love and sexuality in some cases here like Ichigo and Goro is a prime example of this um and I just love the dynamic and the performances of both Brittany and Austin and I'm also in agreement that I would love to see Brittany in more things because I th I think the only thing I've other thing I've heard her in is Alice and Zaruku, but that is also almost a year ago now, and I can't freaking remember. <laughs> so, I, I love to hear in more things, and I love to hear more of her range and her versatility as an actress, honestly. But both of these characters, they are very, very interesting to me, and I loved so far how Brittany and Austin have been playing them. Alright. Anybody hungry? And, um... <laughs> Alright, yeah, okay, so I guess that leaded me, it's time to get to our final pair of the evening, oh, and boy. the main characters of this I show. found you, my darling. Now you make it creepy, yeah. you're making it sound creepy. Alright, uh, uh, okay, so let's get to it, we have the pilot of the Celexia. Okay, so we have Shinji Ikari. I <laughs> Let's fucking face it. It's yeah, we brought it back. Okay, we wait, had I'm, to. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not done yet. Okay, so we have. Okay, and then we have Asuka Langley. I mean, wait, I'm not the I mean, Code 002. <laughs> who just, Son of who a just bitch. goes by 02. I forgot we were doing that bit. Okay. Oh, Lord. Okay, so Hero is a parasite who was considered a prodigy, uh, but lost his ability to pilot a Franks and became a dragon. Basically, he couldn't get it. Well, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. Uh, while Hero 2 is a mysterious girl with red horns who's known for being a dangerous. She's a nymphomaniac. <laughs> She's a nymphomaniac. Pilot, and, and she takes a very strong interest in Hero and starts referring to him as her darling because this show has no subtlety whatsoever. Well, yeah, she, she really likes her honey. 
<laughs> that is oh, also true. Oh, God. Ah, oh, fuck. I didn't even realize that. Shit. <laughs> oh, God. Zing. <laughs> okay. Uh, so okay, credit where it's due. That one was subtle enough I didn't catch it. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh god. That hot pollinate in action. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> okay, let's get to predictions. Fuck, we're gonna be here all night. Actually, we're doing pretty okay on time. Okay. Pick someone, Jet! Okay, I guess I'll go first. Um, so, let's see. Uh, in the event of Bang Zoom for zero two, I said Allegra Clark. And uh, in the event of Texas, I said Joe Harris because I kind of want to see her, like, you know, maybe try something seductive for a change. I thought that would be pretty interesting. Um, okay, uh, for Texas, I, or Hero, I said Aaron Dismuke because why not? And for Bang Zoom, for Hero, I, of course, said Lucian Dodge because I will die on that hill. That's, okay. <laughs> That's a good hill. Honestly, it's a good hill to die. You will die for that. Okay. You will die for Lucian Dodge to be a lead role, damn it. All right. I have uh, two for Hero and only one for Zero Two because I was really strong on this one for a particular, particular reason. Uh, for Hero, okay. uh, Justin Briner and Damon Mills both look like they would fit into this part very well. Now as for Zero Two, like I, I had like two other options for a lot of these other ones. There was only one person I wanted to play Zero Two for a very particular reason. Okay. Genie Torado. And the very specific reason uh, Android this is good. 21. Yeah. Oh, I've been okay. going through fighters like for a while now and God damn, I've seen a new side to GD Toronto in regards to what she could pull off through that kind of, like, psychosexual, crazy, monstrous, appetite kind of character, but also being sweet and seductive and kind of very interesting and two-faced. That's exactly what I get out of Zero Two. I really wanted to hear Android 21 in an anime, especially an anime not animated by Toei Animation. <laughs> I'll go last. Steph? Okay. Uh, Steph? Okay. I had two for Hero, and I was dead set on one for Zero Two, or I couldn't think of anyone else's side one person for Zero Two. Um, <laughs> um, for Zero Two, the person I had in mind for this when I looked at the character and I was watching the Japanese, because the big thing we know about this character also is that she has Klaxosaur blood in her. So obviously she's this alien, this monster kind of thing. Or person, I should say. And my initial thought when watching the Japanese, I'm like, okay, who, who is there a voice actress who can play otherworldly kind of characters? And... It's weird. Well, maybe not, actually. I don't know. The first person that came to mind for me, and the person who ended up being my prediction here, mm -hmm. was was Tia Ballard. Really? Because, yeah. Because, um, I mean, I was also catching up on Garo Vanishing Line, and, which reminded me of her performance in the original Garo the Animation as one of the watchdogs. And then I also was thinking at the time... Shoot, I have to start Shiki soon for Dub Talk Classics. Oh, wait. 
Tia Ballard plays Megumi, and Megumi's this very out-of-this-world vampire. Let me put Tia Ballard here. Reasoning and logic. This is how my brain works. Um, with Hero for my two picks, uh, I actually want to talk about my second choice first. I actually had Rico Fajardo. Because um, a lot of it was, like, voices trying to match character types uh, in the character design here. And Rico Fajardo was like, okay, if we have to default to someone... I'm fine with Rico. The person, though, my first choice here, though, I and I, it was the first thing that popped in my head when I was wa watching the show and looking at this character. Based on the character design, based on the voice and the kind of personality that Hero has, I picked Matt Shipman. Hmm. Yeah, okay. So I was like, oh, Matt Shipman... This is actually a good fit, and plus I also want to see him in more lead roles. Throw him in! <laughs> Go! Alright. Uh, okay. Hardy. Hardy. So, My turn. Okay. Uh, I had. I also had two for Hero and one for Zero Two. Um, mainly my first one was who I expected it to be, but I really did not want it to be because he does this sort of role all the time. Okay. And that is Micah Solisad. Looking at the character's face, looking, listening to the character's voice, I could not unhear Micah Solisad. Mm -hmm. And so that's who I expected them to cast. But I said, you know what? I'm pretty sure this is going to be a Clifford Chapin dub. Because I knew, I had a good idea that he was going to direct it before the announcements came out. And so I'm like, you know what? He's good buds with Matt Shipman as well. Let's put him here and see what happens. And so those were my two predictions for Hero. Zero Two is a little bit more complicated because, as you no doubt know, if you've looked through my predictions so far, they are not adventurous. And usually I like to get a, be a bit more adventurous and cast people who wouldn't normally play these types of archetypes. And this time, I literally just made my predictions after one episode... I was in a hurry, so I'm like, yeah, this and this, this person here, this person here. All pretty normal stuff. Zero Two, I did go out of my way to be bit out there. And so I was a bit adventurous. Mm -hmm. And I chose an actress who's very, very new, who's only been in a few roles. Mm. And okay. we've only heard one type of voice come from this actress. Ooh. And I wanted, I wanted to hear more range. Okay. See what she could do. See what she if she could pull it off. And so that's why, for zero two, I predicted Danny Chambers. Interesting. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So okay. Far, we've heard her as Chise. We've heard her as one other character in the Morose Mononokian, and they're basically exactly the same type of voice. Hmm. I wanted to see more of Danny's range. Interesting. And see if she could play the more flirty, seductive type. And, uh, and yeah, that's why I chose her here. All right. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. So as for who's actually played these characters... For Hero, we have Matt Shipman, and for Zero Two, we have Tia Ballard. I don't know how I got these two leads. What is wrong with me? <laughs> I don't know how I <laughs> did it. 
Okay, you channeled it. You channeled your inner Cliff Here's Richard. the thing. That's Here's how. the thing. Because <laughs> when I was making my predictions, it was after I got spoiled that Cliff was the director. I was trying so hard to keep that out of my brain while making these damn predictions. How the fuck did I do this? Sometimes it just happens and the stars aligned. And you're, you... I'm sorry, Cliff. I'm reading your mind. I'm sorry. All right. This is weird. Okay. Okay. So Matt Chipman was originally a New York-based voice actor before moving to Texas. And some of his other work include Shay in Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V, Ige Kiri in Token Rondo Hanabaru Season 2, and Izumi in My Wife is a Student Council President. Which hasn't and come out Did that even come out yet? It has not Did come it? out yet. Uh, I'm sorry, I was, just, I was just like going down the A&M list. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, and of course, uh, we have Kazuya Kujo in Ghost. Kujo! Kujo! <laughs> okay, and Tia Ballard, of course, is a pretty big animation regular. Some of her other work includes Aguri and Gamers, Garm and Gar the Animation, yep. Elvira in He's Out of the Last Witch, and, and of course, we can't go without mentioning Happy and Fairy Tale. Side note, I have to bring this up because Say You Trash, aka Megan, will kill me for this. So here's another funny thing uh, uh. with Tia Ballard. Here's another funny thing with Tia Ballard. So the Seiyu who voices Zero Two is the same Seiyu who voices Megumi and Shiki. And Tia Ballard also voices Megumi and Shiki. Oh, they're the same. Oh. Coincidence? Ooh. I have no idea, but shut up. That is funny. That yeah. is very, <laughs> That's very good. Funny. Yeah. That's very good. I didn't even realize it until that Megan brought it up later after I saw the casting. I'm like... Oh shit! I'm so glad you. I'm so glad you brought up Aguri because I just finished Gamers recently, and the fucking dynamic between Cliff in that show and Tia in that show is adorable <laughs> and outrageous. And boy, did she have some screams in that. They both had some screams in that. Fucking amazing dub. Anyway, they also had some weird faces. Okay, uh, the best faces. All right. Um, I guess I'll go first here again. Okay. Um, so I was really impressed with Matt Chipman's performance in Gosik. So I was really happy that he managed to pick up another lead role. Um, so I know I made the obvious Shinji jokes here, but Hiro isn't exactly a Shinji since depression isn't like his specific hang-up here. And his issues with self-worth are more tied to like this show's weird setup. Uh, more than him needing to live up to the expectations of people. He wants him. to get in the um, robot! The stupid adults won't let him! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, okay, so anyway, uh, Matt Chipman gets across all of Hero's eggs pretty well and does a good job of selling all that frustration without making the character sound insufferable. Mm -hmm. And, um, so far, I'd say I actually think his performance ends out his Seiyuu counterpart by hair. Um, but of course, the real setup for me here is Tia Ballard as Zero Two. Uh, ever since I heard her as Mako in Pink School, I've always kind of been excited to see her in roles where she gets to use her deeper vocal register. And uh, she's really fantastic here. Uh, she's great at making Zero Two sound seductive, mysterious, and just a little bit frightening all at once. And she pretty much steals the show every second she's on screen. Uh, it's a good thing, too, because whatever this show intends to say largely depends on whatever angle they go for with Zero Two. Uh, so far, she's just like a weird mix between Rey and Asuka from Ava. Wrong. And those two characters. I just thought about represent it. She's not Rey or Asuka. She's Haruko Haruhara. Okay, it's, okay, Ooh. shut up. Uh, okay, shut up. I'm the person who's actually seen Eva. Yes, but she is she is a pink <laughs> alien goddess that comes from out of nowhere and kisses the main guy. 
And then you know, he's not wrong. Okay, you're not wrong, but I'm also pretty sure that's not that sure who this is fair. No, it's probably not. Honestly, <laughs> she doesn't have a base. She doesn't have a base, does she? It is uh, Imaishi, so you know how he likes to reference his old. This work. is not Imaishi, actually. You're right. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, he. No, Imaishi did like one episode, I think. Oh, oh wait, oh, Imaishi okay. is on the show. He coordinates the mech action. That's his role. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, he d- he does a back action. I think he directed like one episode. But maybe. he he is not, he is not the man in charge of this particular series. This is yeah, okay, okay, yeah he's not. That okay, would explain um, why it's more sane. <laughs> it's more low key. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like I was saying, she's kind of like a weird mix between Ray and Asuka so far, and those two characters represent pretty different things in that show. Um. I mean, the ideal thing for me would be if Zero Two actually does kind of turn out to be bad for Hero, which it seems like the show might do. Uh, but it also seems like there's just as much of a chance that the show decided to just, you know, play her straight and have there be no real consequences to her relationship with Hero outside of him needing to quote unquote tame her, which would be really bad and stupid, and I really hope the show doesn't do that. Uh, but in the meantime, I like both of these performances a lot, and I'm looking forward to seeing these two get to start their stuff more. Alright, um, I won't talk about what I think will happen with the show, maybe, until Final Thoughts, but I'll just go into the performances right now. Matt Chipman as Hero. It's a bit deeper tone than I think I would have expected for this character, but I think it works particularly well for Hero. The fact that he's more reserved by nature, I think, actually works a lot better for Matt, because I was kind of iffy on him in Gozik, but I think... Him in Hero fits a lot better, or he's gotten a lot more experience with his acting, and I think this definitely shows he's he's really getting there. I think he's got, he does a good job sounding like he wants to do this stuff, as well as delivering the more low-key moments. Like I said, the moment he says, I don't feel a thing, so soft, and like you hear a pin drop, it's like, oh shit. I, I really, really like that scene, and I think both actors in that were great. Uh, like I said, uh, it's very much going for the Anohana reference, the fact that he is the leading child of the group, but he fails to get it up one day, and then he is ostracized and the outcast again, and has to start from the ground up. But he's got some really good action shown in yells and really kind of pours his heart out to wanting to be with the, uh, Zero Two and... Man, you want to talk the real star of this fucking show? Let's talk Zero Two! She is designed, created, and everything about her is a scene stealer. But that wouldn't really do anything for me if the actress wasn't doing a good job. Does Tia do a good job? You bet your fucking ass she's doing a good job. Hot damn! Deep voice Tia is sultry, dangerous, and sexy. I always knew she was really good as an actress, but very often I'm so used to squeaky Tia. That's why I think it's really interesting to put certain actors in the hands of certain people. Because I really like, I really liked her in game, in New Game. I almost said gamers. I really liked the the direction and character she was in New Game. That was like my underrated actor for a reason. I thought she was great in that. And I think Cliff really knows how to bring out these performances with Tia. And 
it really works for this character. She's really good, really sexy, really surprising. There's a sense of, and also this is a sense of sincerity, vulnerability, as well as this true danger, and I will cut a bitch, or I will eat your throat out if you fuck with me. And, but also just like when she's like, would you want to run away with me? It's, I thought you were different. It shows that vulnerability, that sensitivity. Well, it's so good. So good. I think she is easily the standout performance in the show. And before I hand this off to somebody else, Cannon Power Bottom Zero Two. <laughs> it's Cannon. It's Cannon. I love how those are his words he wants to complete his thoughts on. I almost thought yeah. she was going to be the one Again. that was going to ride him, too, by the way. I thought that was a very real possibility, but Cannon Power Bottom, I can accept that. Oh, Lord. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll keep my thoughts very brief and succinct, because Andrew sort of said, took the words right out of my mouth. Mm. Um, Matt sounds really, is a bit deeper than what I was expecting, but... He plays the emotional aspect really well, and uh, you can almost went as episode five is a really t a real turning point because you can tell that his spirits are actually a little bit higher uh, as opposed to the previous episodes where he was down in the dumps, he was depressed, he's not able to ride, he wants to ride, he wants to do his part, but he can't, and then he's finally able to ride, and it's it, and, and it's like everything's okay it's you can tell the difference in his voice uh as opposed to you know down in the down in the dumps matt and and you know hey i can actually do something now matt so yeah i think it was a good performance but I, yeah i mirror everything that andrew just said about tia ballard it was sultry it was frightening at times it was it was just really really impressive and so I'll just say, I'm happy. Damn you. <laughs> it, it's okay. We are, you you. are you happy? Are you happy? Voice... Are you happy, Spaceman Hari? Are you happy you went there? Yes, I am. <laughs> like I said, I will not apologize for art, but I also have to comment that it's kind of weird that the voice for happy just gave me a chub, so. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I love you. I that is don't beautiful. even know where to go from there. I love you, you beautiful Tennessee. Wow. <laughs> I am so sorry that just happened. I'm not. I know you're not. Shut the fuck up. Party, I owe you a steak. Thank you. I will accept I'll it. add some honey on top of it, too. Uh, I'll fucking <laughs> live without the honey. No, the honey, the honey's important. <laughs> the honey's necessary for this transaction. Okay. I... Do you have any milk steak? Stop it! <laughs> I gotta get my thoughts out before I die over here. Shit. Whew. Okay. I, I'm actually gonna start with Tia for a zero two this, compared to the rest of y'all. Uh, Tia is all over the place in the best possible way. <laughs> Um, like you guys were saying, Tia is, she has a seductive tone to her, she has this vulnerability, this, you, there's a, I can tell that there's loneliness to her, cause let's face it, she's deemed as a monster, and of course that's gonna affect her in some way, 
and she also comes off as very intimidating and kind of scary. So Zero Two in and of its in and of herself of, as a character is all over the place in terms of emotion and personality. Because she may come off as intimidating and not trusting and terrifying to everybody else, but then when she's with Hero, completely different. Because she softens up. She becomes a bit more carefree and energetic. And she's very happy. <laughs> Shit! <Fuck. laughs> I walked into that you myself. You did that to yourself. I did that to you myself. I will admit that. I realized that after I said it. But you, you know what I mean, though. And Tia plays, as, as of right now, has been playing every aspect of Zero Two's character flawlessly. And I enjoy it so, so much. Matt Shipman. I find it interesting that all of you are go- you guys are like, I've never really heard him play a, low, a slightly ro- lower registered character. Because one of the first characters I thought of when I was thinking of Matt Shipman as hero was actually Junie Tyson. Which I can fucking make comments about now because I've seen it. <laughs> Um, because with Junie Tyson, his performance as the snake is actually in a bit of a lower register, too, compared to his performance of Kujo in um, Gosik. And Hero's a very interesting character because, like we were saying before, he's trying to regain his confidence after, basically, he's been seen as a prodigy. He can't perform, <laughs> make your jokes. I, um, I've he... already tapped out. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I'm, <laughs> I'm shooting blanks here. <laughs> I hate you all so much. Why did I why did you put me on this episode yet? God damn it. You want no, no, it. Wait, wait, no, wait, wait, no, no. You volunteered. You no, went straight to whole, me. I went straight to you, but I said that if you needed someone, I'm fine with it, but if you wanted to have someone else, go right ahead. I love you, Steph. And Thanks then you threw here. me in here. <laughs> I just told you, you know I was interested though. <laughs> But, um, that's a conversation for another day. But, um, anyway, Hero, he, he's lacked, he's lacking confidence now, and he just wants to have his own wings in order to fly. That's apparently a running thing with his character. He wants to fucking fly. Uh, and Matt portrays that very, very well. Um, like, it, if I'm talking about standout performances it's these two mm-hmm. like bottom line these are my two favorite performances in the show because not only separately if you're looking at them do they portray these characters really well when you put them together it takes the performances to a whole new level because of the character dynamic so i i've uh, again, I don't know how I managed to get this right. I'm still reeling from that. Maybe I've just gotten so used to watching a lot of doves that Cliff has directed so I can predict what he's going to do. I don't fucking know. Um, Steph, you don't need to uh, brag like you're Zora May. Come on. <laughs> I'm not compensating for... I'm not... I don't have... Uh, uh, not compensating for something I don't have. Thanks. Leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> not like I'm driving a big truck and I'm commentating for something, you know. <laughs> Make your jokes. No, but these two are definitely my favorite performances of the entire show, of the entire dub. And 
we've talked about the dubbies a few times tonight, and this is strong words for me to say this. I have two early contenders for performance awards. Um, that's a, okay. yeah, that's pretty fair. I think T is going to be a contender. To be fair, like, we're two, we're almost, we're now in our third month. There's a lot of people I'm already considering, and we haven't even gotten to spring yet. Fuck. But I'll say, I I've haven't already, gotten I've too already, far. Yeah. I've already got best writer and director picked out. I've, I've got a best director option, too, actually. Anyways, we won't, Gee, we won't show our hand too much to you, fellow ah, viewer. That's till next year, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah, like, the the performances on their own for Matt and Tia are fantastic, but they shine the most when they are playing off of each other. And I, and there's not much else for me to say, because this is... I'm done. Oh my fucking I'm god. Done. This is fantastic. Oh my fucking god, I just no, realized yeah. something. The first time a hero meets her, she has a fish in her mouth. <laughs> and he wants to fly with Oh god, it is just happy. It's <laughs> Boy, just imagine like just super sexy, like Zero Two, just whispering in his ear. I sir. <laughs> <laughs> I just ruined the. I just ruined all of that for you forever, and I'm kind of not sorry. I yes. final thought. Fucking hate okay, you. Uh, I hate yeah, you. I guess, yeah, I guess that's a good segue to final thoughts. My final thoughts is I hate you, Andrew. Shut the fuck up. Mm. Okay. Uh, I can. I. I'll, I'll go first, just because I'm. Very mixed on this show. I saw A1 Pictures and Trigger, and I, I was particularly excited, intrigued by that combination of things. And I've come to realize I don't adore everything that is Trigger, but I at least think they're all kind of interesting or go somewhere. I think this one is probably the one that has the most of an identity crisis I've seen from them. I don't know if it's trying to be serious pseudo-commentary. I don't know if it's trying to be cool mechs. I don't know if it's trying to be hardcore-like relationship stuff. I know it's trying to be symbolism, but it feels very confused. It, I'm intrigued because it can go in a lot of different places. Some good, some bad, some interesting, some really predictable. And I don't know because this is original and it's going everywhere. I don't know. So I kind of was... At a point where it's like, I don't really care to watch the sub much anymore. That being said, sometimes when I stop watching a sub, I will pick up a dub and be like, maybe the dub will be good. This dub's great. Like, everybody sounds solid and su Like, not everybody is a stellar performance, but everybody is at least a pretty good to competent in performance. And there are some really, really strong deliveries and performance. I think they're directed very well. They do a lot... I think they do a lot of good with what they're given with. I'm still not sure where the show's going to go. I'm concerned. That being said, I think I'm willing to to dive a little deeper inside to see what's awaiting for me at the end of this high. Uh, my thoughts are basically the same. Uh, it's been a pretty interesting show so far. It very clearly wants to be Evangelion, and sometimes it feels like it's trying a little too hard in that area. But I mean, if you're going to try and pull inspiration from something, it was a pretty good pick, I suppose. Uh, 
And, I mean, and at the very least, it's trying to put something of a new spin on some of the dynamics in that show. And it's certainly got a lot of visual ambition because we haven't really talked too much about how the oh show Oh, my looks. God. The show looks, like, really it's, like, I, I couldn't talk about that since that's not what we're here to talk about. Some of the framing and composition and, like, these, the individual shots and sequences, like... The script is so in your face, but so many of the visuals and the screen can tell you so much. You don't need to tell me that you and I are the same. Show it in the frame, because the framing's so good and the script is so in my face. It's so at odds, but I love the way the show works. It's so good. I love it. I love it. The director and me is so... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry (laughs) I took that from you. I had to go. It's so good. It, that's that. Nah, it's okay. I, I kind of expected you to do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. So I also don't have a clue what the show is going for yet, and time will tell if it evolves into anything meet- meaningful or simply stays content at recycling things from Ava. Uh, but in the meantime, it certainly has a very strong dub, and I really have to give props to Clifford Chapin and the rest of the cast for bringing their A game to this. And I'm really hoping that the show proves to be worth that investment. I, uh, I have to say what y'all said, basically. I'm going to be very brief and to the point. Um, I have no idea what this show is going. I don't know what it's trying to accomplish just yet. I hope it turns out good. I'm expecting... I'm keeping my expectations sort of midway. Like, it could go really good. It could be really good, or it could end up like an absolute disaster. But at least it looks really great. And it sounds really great. So what you're saying is which, your expectations are at half-mast. Yeah, basically. What Here's here's the thing. I am hoping for a Gurren Lagann. I'm expecting a Guilty Crown. Ooh. 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 Ooh those, wow. those, oh, oh, no. Even I, even I wasn't going you to You said it. so much, but said so little. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah. both shows are absolutely gorgeous to look at. One of them ends great. The other we don't talk about. If it at least so, finds I mean, a middle just... ground, I'll be happy. Yeah. If it's say somewhere safely between those two, then yeah, I'll be satisfied. I guess that leaves me. Uh. So, so again to preface this, Mecca and Sci-Fi. Not my cup of tea. Um, Evangelion, never seen it. Probably don't plan to anytime soon, and people can yell at me about that later. Um, I, uh, in terms of the show, I also don't know where it's going. And it's, um, the problem for me is because this generally isn't the first kind of thing I would be interested in, it's a little difficult trying to hold my attention with it i'm doing my damnedest though um because it is there are really some interesting parts to it and i really am enjoying it it's just it's not normally my thing so it's very hard for me to really latch onto and get excited about it um but holy shit this dub is awesome um i mean let's face it perfect director for this job <laughs> let's face it um it's it it's a lot of attention to detail it's a fun cast uh with some 
again, like I was saying before, underutilized or newer voices and some surprises along the way from the Houston area. Uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of strong points to it and I think if anything despite me having a hard time getting into the show and it keeping my attention the dub is the reason why I'm still hanging on to this show right now because the dub is helping things become a lot more clear to me and it's keeping my attention and I'm enjoying the performances all too well it's one of for me it's out of all the shows I've been watching this season so far it's one of the strongest dubs for me and I'm really really enjoying this a lot it's just again not the first not the first genre I would dive into if I was picking stuff mm -hmm. sorry sorry yes okay all right that's pretty fair um so does anyone have anything they want to plug real quick here uh, I do things on the internet. Good night, everyone. Well, she's plugging <laughs> what we're doing right now. But as for me, as well as you too, Jet, and that one time Hardy, funny enough, uh, you can also find us on uh, Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, where we talk about anime on a more semi-regular basis about general news and predictions and or junk. Uh, you can also find Hardy and myself as moderators over at the Funimation Forum and the Funimation Discord. I was a mod on the Discord for a while. They finally made me a mod on the Forum as well. Yes, I have help now. He finally has help. He's been doing solo this whole time, and now he's ready to link and try and pilot this doggy style with somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Whoa! Okay. That's okay. not um, how Franks work, guys. That's what do you mean? That's you're, not how it works. You're they doing are it wrong, doggy style. Clearly, clearly in this show, no, clearly in the show, you're doing it wrong. I have not seen two men piloting a Franks. You're doing it wrong. Maybe that'll come up just, later. Just, for, just to clarify, I am always the outside spoon. <laughs> always. You know what? <laughs> I'm okay with it's that. It's funny, I can... It's funny because I that's how I picture it. You actually the one piloting, and then Andrew has the one taking the female position in this situation. Look, I've had to grovel a couple of times in my life. At the very least, I'm doing it with a friend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, alright, so anyway, as for me... Aside from finding me on the Twitters at Divine Data, um, you can occasionally read my stuff on my blog, Animation Infinity, and I occasionally write reviews for the Venom Post. I'm doing My Hero Academia Season 3. Yay! Uh, <laughs> okay, and, um, okay, and as for this show, you can uh, catch the sub version on Crunchyroll, and the dub, of course, you can watch on Funimation. Um, Okay, uh, if you watch it on Funimation, you can do a free trial for 14 days. Okay, uh, but okay, but okay, but be aware that if you don't kill your trial after 14 days, you will be charged. And, Just your friendly um, weekly reminder, everyone. Yep. Okay, and uh, yeah, I kind of don't really have much else to say here. So, Side note: um, If anyone's interested in following my shit, I am at Lilac Anime Review on Twitter. Spelled R-E-P-U-E. Aside from me stating I do shit on the internet, I probably should actually say what I do.
I'm also on Twitter at uh, MangaMan9000 under the name Classy Spartan. I know it's confusing. And, and I am right. on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. Okay. And Jet, if anyone's interested in seeing anything from all of us in general, how can they find us? Yes, okay, yes, you can find the Dumb Talk podcast on YouTube, of course, you're probably here already. Uh, you can uh, you can also follow us on the Twitters, and we do have Instagram, right? We have a Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and a Twitch channel, actually. Okay, cool, okay, awesome. So, yes, we have all of those things, so you can catch us there. Okay, and so I guess that's more or less it for tonight. So to all of us here at Dev Talk, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. All right, otaku on, everybody. And remember, doggy style will save the world. Oh, dear sweet baby Jesus. Legit question. So, so t- if if what? they change positions, would that change, like, the configuration of the mech? Like... Can you do you grow mecha wings if you do spread eagle in the cockpit? <laughs> Good ass. Good night, everybody. That's, that's one way good to night. end an episode. Uh, good night, guys. Was good it good night. for you? It was good. No. For me. It was. <laughs> Not with uh, you assholes. Okay. Not with you assholes. Three guys and one girl. The fuck. I'm